Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And good morning, our lines are open, 1850-333-103, text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can email jp at c103.ie or you can tweet across the morning at c103cork. Ahead on the programme this morning, how safe do you feel when you are using public transport at the moment? I know face masks are mandatory on all public transport and for us here in Cork, for people going to and from various areas, the most we will be using are the buses and trains as well uh, but the majority of people will be using buses and one sector of society are quite worried when it comes to going along to hospital appointments now if you're going to a hospital appointment or for a procedure you obviously are worried about your immune system and if you're going for treatments, you're worried enough without having to worry about picking up something uh, on the way via public transport. Now, the bus companies and Bus Aaron and all of those are doing so much to make sure buses are clean and to enforce all uh, the various health restrictions. But still, there is a worry out there among older people when they are going along on public transport to the hospital. Are they safe? Well, the charity alone is that it's going to discuss that this morning with us. But just your view, are, are you one of those who, uh, whereby maybe family members aren't living nearby, your neighbours are, are busy at work and you've no other choice but just to get the bus to that particular hospital appointment? If that is the case, let us know. 1850-333-103 discussing that on the show this morning. Also, we're going to hear how breast check have been forced to extend the screening gap to three years. Women used, of course, um, using the service have always praised the particular service in detection of breast cancer but now 
Uh, those who are being used to invite uh, or to be invited for the screening service usually would be every two years. You get to go along to this screening service now due to restrictions. It's going to be three. And we discussed that this morning on the programme with the Irish Cancer Society. And also we're going to hear why the primary focus of this year's budget should be on increasing employment and also delivering infrastructure. As many fear uh, in their wage slip over the next few months, a COVID tax to pay back everything the government has spent over the last number of months. We'll be discussing that with Social Justice Ireland. Father Sean Healy will join us on why we need to invest and increase employment in this country without looking at welfare cuts or increasing taxes, which will hinder Ireland's development into the future. We're also going to hear from a mother of a young Carrigaline girl whose dream is to dance. At the moment, a young Ellie from Carrigaline is in a situation whereby she is unable to walk. She has been offered life-changing surgery in the US very similar to a story we had a number of years ago in the show from Anna Brown and Mallow and Anna's dream was also to dance and Anna is living that dream at the moment and doing very well and we actually have to touch based with Anna and the Brown family to see how they are getting on and how things have gone for them because a lot of restrictions were in place of course uh, during the last three or four months for medical treatment so we'll touch back with them as well but this is a similar story this time from Carrigaline so we'll hear from uh, Ellie's mother Amy on what indeed what stage they are at and why they are fundraising so Ellie can get that life-saving operation in the States. We're also going to hear from residents who got the keys to their new homes as part of the Knocknahini Regeneration Project and we'll hear from a couple who have found themselves stranded on the mizzen all because they were here uh, we presume on holidays we'll find out more later but uh, they cannot get back into the States uh, while one of the couple is American the other is Australian due to the regulations and restrictions on now re-entering the United States they cannot get back in so uh, they are on the mizzen and now of course with everybody wanting to holiday and everybody wanting to to go to tourism spots they're finding it hard to look and keep accommodation so we'll chat with them on the show later and Peter Doddle is along answering your gardening questions if you have any questions for Peter get them into us 1850 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and also as we'll be speaking to alone later a lot of talk this morning about the app we mentioned yesterday the COVID tracking app and why the majority of people seem to have no issue in downloading the particular app, there is some who have concerns when it comes to data protection and their own data and location services and all of that. But one uh, group have come out, and this is people who may not, don't first of all, don't own smartphones, or a lot of people have smartphones, but they're, how would you describe it, half a smartphone, if that's even right. They have the ability of a smartphone taking photos and all of that, but they don't have the ability to download apps. And because of that, they can't use this particular service. So some feel uh, that there's a section of society who is being left out when it comes to the government encouraging people to download apps. And yesterday, then we had a few callers coming in and a few people texting. One of them was Margaret saying, best of luck tracking me because where she lives, she can't get proper broadband and she can't get 4G or 3G reception on her mobile so she was unable to download the app unless she goes to her local town but then when she goes home it won't work so there's a lot around this particular app that people knew would be a problem but 
we'll check in with a loan as well when we're discussing that with them because I know a lot of people who have uh, these phones whereby they can take photos they can do something similar to a smartphone but they can't download the actual apps they're not connected to an Android or an Apple system so we'll discuss that on the show as well this morning and for those people who were inquiring about the wage subsidy scheme well the Cabinet Subcommittee on Economic Recovery they are going to discuss the extension of that particular scheme later this morning and they're also going to discuss the, the July stimulus package which will include about 1 billion euros of measures for small businesses and nearly 400,000 people are availing still of the wage subsidy scheme and that is due to continue into late August. We also hear a lot about the passports and you mentioned there about the couple who are in the mizzen at the moment and they can't get back into the United States. Well, it seems our Irish passport, even though for restrictions it could be different at the moment but overall the Irish passport has been ranked as one of the most powerful in the world. It's joined in sixth place with France, Portugal, Sweden and the Netherlands and Japan's in the top spot. So uh, still the Irish passport uh, reigning high there when it comes to the particular passport situation. And Minister Barry Cowan a lot of calls and texts regarding Barry Cowan over the last number of days. Uh, people shocked. And the, the big question coming from this, though, was the fact that he was still on a learner driving licence and why he has uh, apologised last night in the Dáil and explained what actually happened. And on Taoiseach, Michal Martin has come out and he has said, you know, he's, he's paid the price for what he'd done four years ago. People are still unhappy that it happened, uh, that more sanctions weren't taken on behalf of the government and indeed, uh, what is the story with the particular driving licence. So uh, Minister Common, while he did uh, go along last night to the Doyle and, and did make a personal statement, he also admitted to another offence 14 years ago where he was fined for not displaying a tax disc on a screen. But he did go on to apologise and said now he would invest his full energy in his work as a minister. Uh, this is what he said last night in the Doyle. My decision in September 2016 to drive home after consuming any alcohol it was a stupid, stupid mistake. It never happened before the 18th of September 2016, and it has never happened since. It is a mistake for which I am profoundly sorry. And I know a lot of people now want him to go and look at his portfolio of agriculture and many calls yesterday were saying put this to one side let him see how good a minister he can be and can he solve the problems in the agricultural world for farmers who fear about the future of farming but still there's a lot of calls and a lot of texts still rolling in this morning and we if you were watching primetime last night you would have seen Susan Gray who of course has been campaigning for many years she's part of Park which is a road safety campaign group and there's many others out there as well in road safety who are looking for an explanation about uh, the provisional driving licence some still think he should resign uh, from his particular post I know also again uh, once he made that particular speech last night in the Dáil opposition TDs uh, asking he has failed to expand on the learner permit and did he drive unaccompanied did he display L plates and did he ever pass the driving test and also I know this morning looking at the calls and texts coming in here people still asking if he was driving on the motorway on a learner licence which you can't do so those questions remained unanswered I'm sure Barry Common thought at this stage it would go to one side but the questions on his licence still remained unanswered and I presume he'll have to come out at some stage about this because 
the, the likes of Park, the Road Safety Group and others uh, continue to ask questions about that and remain unhappy. Your views are welcome on his apology and are people right to keep questioning the situation regarding his provisional licence? Uh, let us know. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Your views are welcome. It seems that more than 37,000 people are on their fourth or subsequent learner driving permit and that some motorists appear to game the system. Uh, that's what one spokesperson has said for the Road Safety Authority and the wider concerns around the whole learner driving comes because of uh, what Barry Cowan has disclosed, uh, how you can get to the age of 49 without acquiring a full driver's licence and seemingly it's not uncommon that there's a number of people in that age bracket in their 40s, between 40 and just over 50, who do and still do drive around on a provisional licence, getting around a certain loophole uh, that has been there. Uh, obviously the RSA and others have come out saying that is bad practice but it isn't uncommon so he's not the only one uh, who is driving around on a provisional licence anyhow your views are welcome on that 1850 333 103 uh, text of WhatsApp 0862103103 uh, a lot of emails and calls as well on different issues I'll get to those shortly keep them coming you can email across the morning jp at c103.ie and an email that came in to us yesterday afternoon jp at c103.ie and this is regarding going along to the bank since the banks have reopened and since new measures have been brought into place in many many uh, public institutions such as post offices and the banks and it's all to do with sanitisation and screens and all of that to make your experience safer uh, in, in various places that are now open to the public. I know we got calls yesterday from people who were in uh, certain post offices and certain banks and they said that people were using the same biro and they thought that should not be allowed or the biro should be sanitised because of all the rules and regulations. Well, another email here from Dan who was in his uh, local Bank of Ireland branch and we will contact Bank of Ireland on this because he said his branch was closed during lockdown and it only reopened recently and he was in there and he said it was like faulty towers. One staff member in the building who was inside the counter with the customer leaning in two feet away. The staff member makes a phone call about the customer's business and then hands the phone to the customer to continue the conversation with the person on the phone. No wiping down of the phone, no perspex divider between them. It's something like you would see in any place that deals with customers and the one staff member had to keep coming in and outside the counter to tell the people that there could not be more than three customers on the premises at any one time. Now the place uh, this person Dan feels is a COVID-19 time bomb and a sad reflection on how Bank of Ireland treat their customers says Dan. We will check that with Bank of Ireland and we have the details obviously of the branch and everything. I'm just conscious from the people working there. I know a lot of the bank branches have cut back on staff nothing to do with the staff working the branch, not their fault. That's a management issue up higher in the branch. So uh, I'm not going to mention the details of the particular branch just for the sake of those workers because they would not have made those decisions on how many can be within their particular branch or how many work in the branch because the banks, as we all know, over the years have cut back the personal side of things within the bank. They're looking for us all to go online and download apps and all of that. Uh, So it's not due to uh, the workers, but it is a management issue. Uh, So we'll raise that with Bank of Ireland. Is that something people have seen over the last number of weeks or the last number of days when going back to the local branches of any bank? Uh, Do you feel with all the talk about restrictions and everybody obeying by different rules 
rules that not everybody is obeying and that while we have all these rules uh, then at one stage or another we don't have all these rules if you get me uh, that everybody's abiding by uh, different things but uh, then when it comes to the situation of restrictions and restaurants having to obey so many restrictions so many of them have closed because they said openly they won't be able to obey but then you go to a bank branch and that's what happens is it unfair 1850-333-103 and also we're getting a few calls in on this now we, we have checked this with Gardaí and waiting on a response back from the Gardaí on this one uh, but it seems from the calls we're getting is that there was a house party in the town of Bandon yesterday afternoon and that there were so many people in and around that particular area of Bandon uh, that the Gardaí had to come out. One person is claiming the armed response unit has called I'm not too sure. We are checking that out with the uh, Gardaí to, uh, to, for them to confirm if they were called out and if the armed response was called to a particular house party in Bandon. But if you know anything more about that, let us know. Callers claim that there was a, a lot of young people in and around that particular area of Bandon Town yesterday. Uh, they felt there was no social distancing and because of that, they fear that we could have a spike in the town of Bandon. A few people have rung in with that this morning and asking what is happening. Is it going to be addressed? Uh, are the Gardaí looking into this? We have contacted the Gardaí on this and we'll uh, see what they come back with if everything that has been said happened yesterday. Uh, let us know. Maybe you have more info. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. We'll speak and hear from people who are worried when they travel along to their hospital appointments or even just to go to the shop. They have no other way of getting there and they feel unsafe and Public transport. Or today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Alone, the charity that supports older people says a substantial number of older people don't feel safe travelling to a medical appointment on public transport. This morning, we've got some examples of that. And Sean Moynihan, who's CEO of Alone, joins me. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. First of all, many people are still worried in their everyday life about leaving their home. And at this stage, as the World Health Organization have said, it's up to each and every individual uh, to discuss and think about their own personal safety. But some people have no choice if they want to go along uh, to do grocery shopping or more importantly, if they have to attend a hospital appointment. Now, people will say surely their family members can do that. Some don't have family members locally. Some don't have neighbours. The only option is to choose public transport. You can see the worry then as buses get busier because everybody's back to work, even though face masks now are mandatory. Yeah, I think I think what I'd say to you is, is that, that we've gone through so many phases, you know, public health information, you know, COVID, practical support, you know, food, medication. I think a real emerging need as as uh, some, as people, older people especially, are re-engaging with the health services is getting people to appointments. And not everybody either has the transport links to to hospitals and not everybody has access to those supports. So we've had a lot of calls in the last few weeks uh, and it's really spiked around people who are basically missing hospital appointments or don't have the support to get there. And really we want to highlight the issue. We want all the people who who don't have those, who, who, who have appointments and can't get them to reach out. And we want maybe family, neighbours, friends and other organisations to be aware that people may have have issues getting there. 
Now I know a lot of the concern here is people's immune systems could be low and they're travelling on a public transport either a bus or a train to get to the hospital uh, Do you know if some of the organisations I know we've had some great organisations here in Cork who do travel from one end of the county to the other and bring people to the various mm. hospitals in the city Are they back on track? Because I know during obviously the, the COVID lockdown a lot of those weren't for obvious reasons Are they trying to come back? Do you know? That would but help a lot it, of people it, it, it's, it's a mixture like so I mean if you we we, we, we have situations like we we, we the 80 year, 84 year old man on yesterday who's going to hospital no transport you know and with, with kidney failure now we managed through the kidney association to get him to the appointment another woman going to through chemo yesterday and through the Irish cancer and through ourselves we got to there in other cases we volunteers and in other cases smaller local services but I suppose some of it's fear going on public transport and others of it is they're trying to get to a specific hospital or a specific GP or a specific thing for a specific time. And these people are maybe frailer or unwell at the time. So really, even not just with the COVID issue, you know, public transport when you're not feeling well or you're trying to get to specific ways or just come back for an hour and a half after you're finished really isn't always ideal. Yeah, and Mary here making the point that she feels unsafe. I'm in my 70s, I cocooned during the whole lockdown period. And now, as I get in the bus to attend a hospital appointment yesterday, there was a number of young people on the bus. Not their fault or bus errands fault, but can that be looked at? Maybe like the shopping centres or the supermarkets, they could introduce a time zone whereby certain age groups would only get on a bus at certain times. I don't know how that could be enforced, but is that something to look at to have... Uh, kind of a, a, a bus for older people and, and not have so many younger people on the bus, which it did concern Mary yesterday. I, I think what, what I think we need the whole population. There's been great social cohesion up to now. Um, but as we open up the, the alliance come blurred, I think people need to re- realise there are plenty of active older people, but this, this virus is ageist. And on top of that is, is you don't know if somebody has an underlying health condition all the time by looking at them. So I think people just need to be very respectful of people's space, very respectful that some people will have been through an awful lot of trauma. Some people will have other severe health issues or or housing issues or or financial issues that they're facing. And we need young people to be very respectful of older people and just realise that, you know, re-emerging, re-engaging, you know, everything now is a difficult decision. Do I go into that shop? Do I buy a cup of coffee? Do I go to that medical appointment? And that's very difficult for people. So I think we need to be very cognizant of all the people around us. I'm sure that you're happy that now face masks are mandatory on public transport. So that will be some help to people as well. I think it's great. I think the reality of it is that, that that's what, what we need is because I think sometimes when you leave it either or, right, then it sort of gets confusing and difficult and people get upset. I think the fact that it's mandatory is in everybody's safety, safety, young and old, and ultimately is, is that would be better for everybody. But I do think whether it's the health service, when people are making appointments, making sure that older people can get to those appointments and older people to really reach out if they have problems getting to, to, to appointments. Those appointments are important. And please reach out to us or to other friends, families or other agencies to, to, to get there because ultimately we all want you to be well and healthy. 
Exactly, and and for family and and friends to reach out as well, especially in more rural areas whereby you might have to walk miles even to get on a a bus to go anywhere. Uh, Just before I let you go, Sean, uh, the new uh, tracing app for COVID, which has been launched yesterday, a lot of people have downloaded this. Concern, though, among many in society, especially older people who might have a type of smartphone, but these smartphones don't download apps and they feel they've been excluded from this traceability. You mentioned there that, you know, the the actual particular Mm. disease doesn't, uh, no one can anybody can get it it doesn't stop her at any age groups but the, we know the older people in society uh, could be affected more than others even though again it hits everybody so that, you know it's wrong to say it would just hit older people it can hit anybody in, of any age but a lot of people texting in this morning say I don't have a particular smartphone I have a Dora yeah. phone while they're great you can't download apps uh, what's the situation with yourselves in alone have you got those calls is there a fear out there that yeah, people well, are feeling been, left out I think one uh, one good pro- like there's been one good bio product to this is huge amount of older people have jumped a bit of a digital divide got you you, you know, engaged online with, with, with friends and family so that's good I think for us what we've been doing is for older people who have been struggling with isolation and loneliness we we've been distributing around a thousand smartphones to those who are cut off those sometimes in hospitals, those in, in bad conditions referred to ourselves or referred by the, the guards and emergency services. So we've been trying to fill that. We've also been getting volunteers to advise older people on how to use tech and how to download if they can or how to upgrade. I think there is an element of, there is a divide there and we've got to try and keep encouraging and, and, and make sure nobody's excluded and that everybody can be included. My understanding and I think the absolute wonderful thing is is that the greatest thing is the more people we get on it, the better and that, you know, a bit like even if a certain percentage of older people don't end up signing up, the reality of it is, is if everybody around around us in our community sign up then we will cover it in, in a comprehensive way. Okay, Sean, for the moment, thanks for joining us this morning uh, on the issue of public transport and we'll wait wait and see what happens over the next course of the few weeks when it comes to the running of public transport and indeed other people going to the hospitals for their appointments. But for the moment, thanks for joining us. Sean Moynihan there, who's CEO of Alone. And by the way, as we're encouraging people to check in with families and friends who may need to attend a hospital appointment, if you are one of those services that we have spoken about and interviewed over the years, whereby you have in the past taken people from various parts of the county and the city to uh, the hospitals for their appointments, especially those who were receiving cancer treatment and may not have loved ones nearby, may not have neighbours who are able to take them to the hospital for one reason or another. Uh, Are those services back up and running? Are you back with maybe a limited capacity taking some people uh, to the hospitals? Again, I know there's a number of services we've spoken to over the years on that. If you are, let us know. We'll put out the word there for people who have concerns. 1850 333103 or you can text on WhatsApp 086-2103103. A few calls yesterday asked about breast check I know it was covered on yesterday's news but we are going to discuss next about how now breast check because of the restrictions will go from a two year screening to three years that's next Court today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 2103103 and on the issue of face masks on buses and people concerned when they are using public transport especially to get to an actual hospital appointment Mary was on the number 8 bus 
on the city centre yesterday. That's now the 208, isn't it? And she said once she got on the bus, she saw a lot of people uh, who had masks on pull down the masks once they sat down on the bus. And most of them then were on the phone looking down. So what's the point in that? If you have a mask on, surely you should leave it on and not pull it down once you sit down on the particular bus because the bus is going on a long enough journey across various parts of the city. And these people then with no mask on, Uh, What good is it making it mandatory when people just take them off when they sit down? Uh, Good point, Mary. And also uh, another Mary who was on the Limbrite making the same issue on people getting on that particular bus and then uh, putting their masks down when they sit down, uh, says Mary, on text to 0862103103. Now, women who avail of the breast check service may have to wait three years between mammograms when the service resumes because of the restrictions of COVID-19. Paul Gordon is policy manager with the Irish Cancer Society and joins me. Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. First of all, before the pandemic struck, women were invited for the free screening and a lot of people were praising the service because they felt that it actually picked up breast cancer when they might have known there was some type of problem and maybe afraid to go along to their GP or had concerns. This actually did pick up breast cancer at the early stages and we know at the early stages is the best time to catch any cancer. And the invitation was always two years, wasn't it, at that stage? That was the case, Jean-Paul. So uh, screening um, across the breast, cervical and bowel cancers, it, it screens the well population, so people who may, uh, who may have uh, slow-growing uh, cancers or, or very small tumours or pre-cancers, um, and it ensures that those are caught at a very early stage. So it's, it's a really life-saving programme that's a very important part of our health service and, uh, and, and really is, has, say, has saved uh, thousands of lives over, over, over recent years. Um, so first of all, um, we, we're quite concerned that the HSC has suggested that there may be a change in the interval period for screening. So at the moment it's two years between each appointment um, and that's for women aged 50 to 69 um, and, and those the, the women um, between 50 and 69 are, are kind of in, the, in those higher risk groups. Um, so what they are suggesting is that as a result of some restrictions, they may change that to three years. So that's something that's very concerning for us. Um, it's something that we have, through our discussions with the National Screening Service and the HSE, made very clear um, is something that is that is quite unacceptable um, and that it would be our desire that services are are fully resources and fully resourced and properly staffed, um, but that there shouldn't be any changes to those intervals because international guidance suggests that these programs should operate on a two-year basis and not not three. Two-year intervals mean fewer deaths uh, and more women um, from all socioeconomic groups have that opportunity to get tested. Um, you know, of of the women who are invited to breast check each year, which is around 165,000. Um, around 1,000 cancers are diagnosed, and those are picked up at an early stage, which means that, that treatment is less invasive um, and, and that people's chances of survival are much, much higher. And I know within the health service, we've heard of consultants and doctors who said they wouldn't like to be at the moment anyhow uh, in a situation with people who are in cancer treatment or dealing with cancer treatment because of situations like this. Now, while things are improving in that way, uh, this service, when it does resume in September, uh, those in the health service have openly admitted that there will be a slowdown in the service, that everything is going to have a knock-on effect. So that's also a worry if there's going to be a backlog now on those particular screening delays, not only for breast check, but also and the others you mentioned there as well, bowel screening and the cervical check. 
That's correct. So uh, it, for, for breast check, uh, to date this year, about 90,000 people uh, have been eligible for, for, for breast check screening uh, and many of those uh, haven't been seen or are waiting on an appointment. Um, so when it does resume, those people will be prioritised. Um, partly, partly due to restrictions um, in, in terms of hygiene, but also to ensure that people who, who need it most, who may be um, higher risk or who are entering the service for the first time are seen quickly. Um, and there are challenges associated with, with getting back uh, up and running. Uh, we, we don't deny this, but I think what we want to see really is investment to ensure that backlogs are cleared as quickly as, as safely possible um, and, and that there is additional capacity, um, be that through through new uh, mobile units um, or through through temp- temporary builds to support this and, and through bringing in um, additional capacity from from other sectors. And, and what, I mean, we have had some good news this week in that invites are going out to uh, women for cervical checks. So, so those uh, who are due a yearly recall, uh, those who need a repeat test and those who have become eligible for their first screening test uh, will will be sent invites this week. Um, and and the cervical the cervical service um, uh, we we expect that there those backlogs will be cleared a little quicker than the than the other service. And that and that points to other problems, particularly for uh, for breast screening um, and bowel screening. In, in bowel screening in particular, there are delays in in getting people diagnosed. So from the point at which you do your test, um, that is sent on. Uh, and assessed, and, and most people will get a, a, a negative result back, so they'll they'll be effectively in the clear. Um, but others will get a positive result, which means they need uh, some further intervention, and that's usually in the form of a colonoscopy. Um, and unfortunately, that's that's colonoscopy is, is an area of the health service that's been traditionally underfunded. But we're looking at huge backlogs because prior to COVID. Uh, there were very significant waiting times uh, to uh, to get a colonoscopy, and that's a real worry right across the health service. But particularly for those services that come after screening, because some people will be screened, they may have a positive test, and that positive test may may in fact not be cancer; it may be something else, or it may it may just be. Uh, um, it may just need a second screen, particularly in the case of, of breast check. Uh, but it's those street services that come after which are really under pressure and that really need additional investment as well as, as, as in screening services. Yeah, and God forbid if you do get that positive text and you have to go on further, I mean, there, there is a number of steps. As you mentioned, you go and see your consultant first and then you're moved on to the next step. But if there is delays, especially in the public system, and there was beforehand, that there'll be more delays now as those procedures that were cancelled, they need to be done first and then everything else is followed up after that. Is there any way around this, Paul? I mean, you mentioned their investment. Is that the only way that the HSC could go back to even for the breast screening, for example, uh, to have it on the two years that they usually did? Uh, the HSC or the, the Department of Health will more likely come out and say that the money isn't there and they have to do this. But is there another way around this without investing money? Well, I do think the money needs to be found. I mean, at the moment, we we were quite fast to respond to the COVID crisis, but we've actually been been slow to respond to the after effects. Um, So what we would like to see... um, for the for cancer services generally, but for the overarching health service, is the HSE to to publish their their recovery plan and a continuity plan, um, so so that if we do have a second wave, we can we can better manage um, issues like screening, issues like diagnostic tests in the case uh, that 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 second wave does come, because it, it has had an impact on those services. Um, 
like like diagnostic tests, like colonoscopies, like ultrasounds for 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 breast cancer, and um, but also screening because because of the um, the pausation of the of the services, and many thousands of people are quite worried uh, about the resumption of some services. It's really welcome that we do have a timeline for the resumption of those services. We know there will be backlogs. We want to see those uh, cleared as quickly as possible. There are other, uh, I suppose, particularly in, in diagnostics, there are other elements that we can introduce, um, new new um, innovations in terms of triaging patients uh, better. So there may be people, for example, who've been um, sent for colonoscopy who may, in fact, be better suited to uh, to a different investigation because they may uh, an issue like irritable bowel disease or something like that. The need to see from the HUC is, is some real direction in terms of where health services and where cancer services are going because there has been a, a slowdown in many areas. We understand backlogs do need to be cleared, um, but 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 we really really need that that clear sense of direction and leadership from the HSC at the moment. Well, we'll wait and see what happens for the moment, Paul. Thanks for joining us this morning on that particular issue. Paul Gordon there, who's policy manager with the Irish Cancer Society. And Anne says, my next breast check appointment is due in January 2021. If the testing interval is increased to three years, I will try and save the money to get a mammogram done privately. And myself, says Anne on text to 0862 103 103. This is Court Today. Today with JP McNamara on C103. Good morning to you, John Paul McNamara, with you until one with Cork Today in for Patricia Messenger. And Bernie and Sadie take your calls 1850 333 103, or you can text or WhatsApp 086 2103 103. You can email across the morning jp at c103.ie or indeed tweet us at c103cork. And a number of calls in on various issues. Let's go back though to the issue of face masks on public transport. And we heard earlier from some people who were worried about travelling on certain buses and trains because of people who, first of all, those who were going along to hospital appointments, their immune system may be low. Uh, some going for uh, treatments within hospital, they're worried going on public transport, not because of the transport operator. Is everything OK there? It's basically from what we heard from a number of people who were on city buses. Uh, when they got on, the, everybody wearing a face mask, but once they sat down, they removed their face mask, which really uh, is the point when it comes to uh, getting on a bus. They are mandatory and you're supposed to leave them on all the time. But from uh, callers and texts we have got, people are getting on the public buses. This is more or less on the city buses. The 208 was mentioned and the passengers sit down and they take off the face masks or pull them, uh, pull the mask down under their mouths and obviously nose and that really uh, isn't wearing a face mask. So uh, while many had concerns about that, also people are wondering, are those services that we have mentioned and interviewed before, are they back running? Uh, these are services that would have brought people from outer areas of the city and county to hospital appointments in the city. Uh, and are those uh, back up and running? That might help people who are afraid of getting on the public transport services if they don't have family, if they don't have neighbours nearby who can bring them to the hospital for the treatment they're receiving. Uh, But on that, first of all, apart from those who are concerned of what they are seeing on the buses. Michael in Castletown Bear uh, sends in a WhatsApp and he's tying in the whole face mask with the holidays and people thinking about going on holidays abroad. And Michael says those who are accepting cheap holidays from holiday carriers abroad are betraying everybody who were advising against foreign travel only for essential. 
just as Jesus was betrayed by Judas Iscariot for 30 pieces of silver. A spokesperson for the World Health Organization said this morning that there is new evidence showing COVID-19 may be spread by tiny particles suspended in the air, which only underlines the importance of face coverings. There should be a national masking law to keep COVID-19 under control, especially as we head into the autumn and winter months. If we are not safe about a mask, then we are not safe about COVID-19. It is a socially responsible thing to wear a face mask. Not wearing a mask should carry the same social stigma as drink driving or not wearing a seatbelt. There are both extremely dangerous actions contrary to public safety. Love or hate the masks, they are here to stay and there is no end in sight of COVID-19. Finding a vaccine is a long, long ways off, says Michael, and let nobody tell you otherwise. Just look at the billions upon billions that they have already spent on other various viruses such and he lists out, for example, uh, SARS, Ebola, HIV, rabies and many more over the years and no vaccine found for those particular viruses that worked anyhow. Uh, Michael on WhatsApp to 0862103103 in Castletown Bear on the issue of face masks that he mentioned there about what the World Health Organization mentioned earlier this morning and it was Margaret Harris, Harris from the WHO who says the possibility of the COVID spreading in crowded or poorly ventilated areas. It just can't be ruled out. This is because a number of scientists, over 200, sent letters to the WHO accusing them of underestimating the airborne transmission. This is what Margaret Harris had to say this morning on that. So that's why many countries have moved to asking people to wear masks when they're in public transport, difficult place to ventilate, or when they're in closed spaces, shopping or other places to minimise the possibilities of transmission. Uh, so is Michael right? I mean, should there be some kind of uh, standardary masking law in this country to ensure everybody wears a mask everywhere, especially in the shops? Because there, there's mixed messages from shops. People uh, I know who have started wearing a mask going into a particular shop and then when they go in, no one else is wearing it and they're getting funny looks. So now they're not wearing the mask anymore because they felt uneasy when they were wearing the mask. Your views are welcome on that. Maybe that's happened to you uh, in a supermarket or a shopping centre or wherever. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Now, last night in the Doyle, of course, Barry Cowan gave his personal apology to the particular drink driving incident, which has been spoken about a lot over the last number of days. And while he's admitted wrongdoing, he's apologised that the Taoiseach Michal Martin has accepted his particular apology. And it seems at this stage the government is moving on from what was said. I'm sure Barry Cowan would have hoped as well that this incident and that this situation was put to bed but it doesn't look like it because once he gave his statement the question still remained and we still have a lot of texts and calls here too on that about asking him on his learner permit that he was on was he driving uh, every day unaccompanied was he driving on a motorway with his L place displayed and the way he passed his driving test that he didn't address those particular issues in his apology last night and no opposition TDs uh, are still on about that this morning uh, but on this your calls and comments first of all John in Clonacilty says this now uh, out of all the talk about Barry Cowan it's just past tense four years ago he did the sentence 
He that is without sin among ye be first to cast the stone, says John in Clonakilty. While another texter here is saying a lot more out there were drink driving and not caught. This man paid his price. He paid for his crime. Leave him be. And on the situation regarding another texter here says on, Brian, on, Bar- on Barry Cowan, a suggestion for a background check. This should be done on all our politicians, regardless of party, before they enter the doll. I bet it would show some interesting results as that particular texter. While John and Buttevant says in regards to that TZ who was convicted of drink driving, he should have all, he should have had his provisional licence removed at the time and had to reapply when his ban was up. Also, in regards to drink driving, I heard on your news this morning that Gardaí are unsure if they should be enforcing the Covid laws or the liquor laws when it comes to bars. Are they for real? Surely they should be enforcing both those laws, says John in Buttevant. Well, John, uh, the Guardi have come out this morning and they have said that they are relying on the media for clarity on what laws to enforce on pubs reopening. Uh, that's according, it's the Garda, the Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors. They have come out on that and they say there is confusion around their exact role. Uh, it's uh, following a survey themselves have taken of middle ranking officers. And it seems a high number of percentage of them had difficulty enforcing the regulations since the restrictions were eased. Now, earlier on, Antoinette Cunningham, uh, she's the AGSI General Secretary. Uh, that's the Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors. She says a confusion uh, cannot continue. It cannot be allowed. But there is confusion, John. You're right. And here's what she said earlier. We have to get clear guidance, uh, whether it's liquor licensing legislation or the health regulations that are being uh, enforced and checked on by members of Angarda Siakana at this stage of the policing of the COVID-19 pandemic. So it seems it's more about the government making laws that they can enforce rather than confusion. They seem to know what they can do but they don't have the power uh, to do it is what more or less they're saying there and it's up to the government to make the laws as soon as they can. With regards to that issue, thank you John for your text. Also on Barry Cowan and his apology last night in the Dáil on the drink driving incident. Uh, still a lot of people have mixed views on this and uh, one person here now this was a personal apology and, and Barry Cowan if you watched that in full last night he did say at the very start that it was a personal apology so I would presume he prepared everything he wrote down himself but this particular person uh, thinks otherwise this texter says watching Barry Cowan's prepared statement on TV last night I shiver when I think what kind of minister we will get it's spin doctors that prepared those pages feels that particular texter now he did say it was personal so on that you can only presume that he wrote it but other people have different views and feel the spin doctors were involved on that now I'm sure somebody uh, somewhere along the line did sit down with him and say say this say that phrase that differently but you would hope that a lot of it came from himself uh, when he is making an apology about something as serious as drink driving anyhow uh, we will uh, wait and see if, if I'm sure it was you know by by his advisors had a say in it but it was him who had the thought to put down on paper a lot of it but people do feel this morning that was at the spin doctors as the texter says got involved again and Jer in East Cork says nothing has changed when it comes to Fianna Fáil. They are still the same corrupt party. It is time for Michal Martin to go at this stage. He promised no corruption and we are only a week in and we have all this controversy. It is time for a woman Taoiseach give Mary Lou a chance. While Jess says yes here we go again. I was watching Reeling in the Ears last night says Jess on a present I got for Christmas and yes she says 
looking at really in the years and looking what's happening now, it hasn't changed. When you bring Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael back into power, all these controversies arise yet again. So maybe we do need some type of a change because things aren't changing for sure. Uh, people still go out, they still break the law, they still make mistakes, but it seems to be from the main parties all the time. Even though, uh, Jess goes on to say that other parties uh, can't be shining the light too much either as they all have done wrong in the past and only in the last few weeks uh, just as we have seen that with Sinn Féin so Jess's view there on that on text 0862103103 and if you're driving on the road Noel in Bandon has said he has been driving on the road from Bandon to Crossbury that road has recently been resurfaced but he's saying the excess grit has been left on the road so it's a hazard so when you're driving in that road uh, the grit is lying on the road lying on the side of the road and as you drive it's hitting the windscreens and it's when it's hitting the windscreens it's also hitting the paintwork on your car and that has been damaged so people are finding they're getting chipped windscreens and indeed the paintwork on their car then is damaged so is that something you've noticed no raising that issue abandon that the the road even though it has been redone the grit is left on the road, on the side of the road it's causing that particular issue for motorists uh, we will see if anything can be done uh, I'm not too sure how they can unless they close the road off again to get the grit off the road and with the traffic on that road and the amount of traffic using that road now because of all the roadworks in and around Bandon Town uh, for the drainage scheme uh, you would think maybe the grit would be bedded in or, or blown off the road but it isn't I'm not too sure how much grit they left on the road and if that can be dealt with anyhow if you are on that road if you have used that do you agree with Noel and what can be done but be careful if you're travelling from the Bandon to Crossbury Road uh, not the best road in the world and now you'll have the hazards of those stones hitting your windscreen and the paintwork of your car being damaged also. And on text here, someone asking, do we have any new numbers for COVID-19 cases in Cork City and County? The latest we have is that the cases rose by five from last Friday. Nothing more than that at the moment. But I, uh, the latest figures I have to hand uh, here in studio is that there was an increase of five since last Friday to Monday. If we get more, we'll bring them to you. And back on the issue of the banks and the uh, post offices, and people were saying they've noticed basically that there's lack of sanitisation, lack of responsibility when it comes uh, to banks which have opened recently. We got an email from a, a person, uh, Dan, that was earlier on uh, from his local bank. It was Bank of Ireland who we have contacted about this and he felt like it was chaos in there and he described the bank as being a COVID-19 time bomb, a bomb even with lack of distancing and uh, people using the same bios and phones and everything in there and that was his concern. Well, on that issue, Anne in the city used to work in a bank and she's saying people should carry their own sanitizer and their own biro. If they're that worried, bring your own sanitizer and your own biro. It is up to everybody at this stage to mind themselves, uh, says Anne. While Patrick in Cadollery says their post office is only a small one. So in Cadollery, they have one person at a time inside and people wait outside the door. It only takes a bit of common sense to deal with these issues, says Patrick. And back to the government and indeed to Barry Cowan just uh, more text coming on this first of all Tim uh, says if Fine Gael and the Greens were in opposition at this stage they would have a different view and a different position on Barry Cowan I think the Greens would have called for Mr Cowan's resignation but the Minister for Transport the 
Cycling Green leader says fine. He must know that provoking an election could cost him his seat, says Tim. And another texter here saying the government say do this, do that, but they are not doing it themselves. So I won't be dictated by anyone anymore, says that particular texter. And finally, Jerry, we mentioned earlier we got reports and calls about a house party that was held in Bandon, it appears, yesterday afternoon. Uh, seemingly, according to callers, the Gardaí had to arrive and break up this particular party. And at one stage, uh, one of the armed response units were actually in the area uh, to deal with the particular situation. Uh, obviously, no, there was a huge crowd, I presume, at this particular party. It was in Bandon Town. Uh, if anybody knows more about this, let us know. 1850 Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. But jury on that says, I'm disgusted to hear there was a major house party in Bandon. Or indeed, he said anywhere to think that people are gathering in large numbers while we are all minding ourselves is just ridiculous also if the Gardaí war called to this particular incident is just a waste of Garda resources people need to have more cop on and if these people are young or old or whatever age they are well those in charge of them need to know where they are uh, jury's view on text to 0862 103 103 you can email across the afternoon as well or across the morning to jp at c103.ie by the way, we have contacted the Gardaí uh, regarding that particular situation that we're hearing of in Bandon. We're waiting on a response from them on that. On the way, though, should we and do the government now need to look at the budget for this year and instead of what everybody is thinking of, seeing the COVID-19 tax on our payslips are indeed uh, cutting welfare, do they need to increase employment, concentrate on that and deliver infrastructure in the various areas of Cork? We'll discuss that next. C103 Jobs. On today's job spot, we have opportunities for a childminder wanted for three children in the child's own home or in the children's own home. And it's four days per week in the Hazelwood area of Mallow. Own car is necessary. Contact 086-382-1530. And ground workers and skilled labourers, they're required for a busy construction company in the North Cork area. Apply by email to recruitment at fitzgeraldconstruction.ie. And workers are wanted for construction of farm buildings in the Duhallow area. A safe pass is required. Contact 87 for further information. You'll get these jobs and more now. Just log on to c103.ie forward slash job. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now the primary focus of the next budget should be one of increasing employment and delivering infrastructure and not reducing deficit. That's according to Social Justice Ireland who have published a policy on budget choices and Father Sean Healy joins me from Social Justice Ireland. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. And thanks for joining us. And I suppose we were discussing this earlier this morning and the one thing that a lot of people and when you speak to your friends are worried about on this is when our payslips come at the end of the year that we could all see a COVID tax on our payslips something like the USC we saw a number of years ago our welfare cuts would go and that's the fear amongst the public while you're looking at a different approach and looking at investment in jobs and maybe then in infrastructures I presume such as roads and whatnot to get the country moving and broadband unit. Yes. Yeah, uh, I think the critical issue for us is not to re- 
repeat the mistakes that we made as a country 10 or 12 years ago. We discussed it at that time on this very program. And the mistake we made at that time was to sort of insist that we had to balance our books as we went along uh, with the the rather mistaken impression that uh, a country runs itself the same way or should run itself the same way a household does. That's not the way it works. Uh, What we're proposing is a completely different approach. Uh, What we're saying is let's gather together all the covid uh, borrowing that we've had to put together, like that we've had to assemble to pay our uh, debts, not just this year, but next year and the following year as well, out to the end of 2022 at least. Put it all, uh, ring fence it. Uh, it'll be a very substantial number, 40 plus billion euro. And what we're saying is you can borrow money very at very low interest rates nowadays. Let's borrow money uh, to pay off that debt, but to, to pay it off over a 50-year period, that kind of a stretch, if you like, a bit like a country like the British did after the First World War. Uh, they, they, they did this very approach, and they, it took, uh, they only paid off their last um, debts from the First World War in the last few years. So what you do then is you ring-fence that. Uh, that get, we, we don't pay anything back for the first two or three years, but uh, what we, and we, then we'll pay it back at a slow rate. In the meantime, we borrow um, out for investment purposes, and that investment should be for creating employment, uh, for creating, uh, looking after demand in the, in, the, in, the, in the society, looking after small and medium enterprises, who, which are the key uh, to, to, to the store outside the, to the few big cities. Uh, small and medium enterprises are critical. They're even critical within the big cities as well. Um, but uh, the issue would be to sort of support employment, uh, to sort of, it's, and, and, and in approaching the budget then, the government should basically ask a question and not should ask a question, how do we increase employment? How do we deal with youth unemployment? Uh, things of that nature. How do we support SMEs, uh, small and medium enterprises? Uh, how do we actually, what, what infrastructure do we need to make uh, things fly in this, in this area or that area? What do we need uh, in, the, in, in the area of services? For example, like childcare, those kinds of services, or even health itself, the healthcare area. And Asking those kinds of questions, um, why? Because uh, it, that, that we should give priority to those questions rather than how do we balance our books, uh, how do we pay, deal with the deficit, and so on. There should be no reductions. In fact, there should be an increase in, in, in the basic welfare rates. There should be no COVID tax of any kind, absolutely none. And there is no need for it because over time, the economy will grow if we go the, the approach we're talking about, which is standard Keynesian economics. It's not as if Social Justice Ireland just dreamt all this up. Like this is standard Keynesian economics. And not alone that, we were advocating that this 10, 12 years ago during the bailout and prior to the bailout here in Ireland. And uh, we were getting no hearing at all. And we dealt, we met regularly with the uh, Troika and so on when they were here. And the interesting thing was subsequently the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, they did a review of how they dealt with all of that and they came to the conclusion they handled it the wrong way, that they caused an awful lot more damage by focusing on uh, austerity than they would have done if they had supported jobs, kept the jobs in place, and as the economy picks up, those jobs pick up, then uh, people are earning money, they're spending money, they're paying tax on their income, the standard 
type that no, no increases in it just the, the way they've been doing it all along they pay taxes on whatever they're buying uh, the fact that they're buying it at all means that there's a demand for that and particularly if you buy local and support local and so on uh, then you can see a sudden increase or a very substantial increase in the economy and not alone that uh, the IMF learning all of that but the, the European um, Central Bank is moving in that direction has moved in that direction with a huge amount of money made available for it to happen and not alone that the European Commission is moving in this direction and has suspended the application of the, the stability and growth pact, the, the fiscal rules that we have spent so much time in the last 10, 12 years watching and uh, looking after and uh, trying to achieve and so on. Um, and we've basically decided, look, uh, they've decided that the sensible thing is focus on the jobs, protect the jobs, protect the infrastructure, protect and try to develop the services and the infrastructure, put in the things that are problematic, uh, that, that there's a shortage of. We have a shortage of infrastructure. If we're not at the European average level, Western European anyway, the level, we're not at the same level as our countries with the similar levels of income in, in our services either. And we need to do that, put that in. When we have that put in, we're in a far better uh, place then to actually drive a good economy and the good economy would in effect uh, repay us in big time so that we could actually pay off that COVID debt over a long period, say 30 to 50 years. And while the investment you mentioned there would of course hopefully in some sectors pick up the economy and then we would have more money come into the exchequer and then they could go along and and pay back what they have spent on COVID-19 for the last few months that would be the hopeful way what if they just come back and say we can't do that we can't invest we've spent too much money over the last three or four months and everything and we just have to go down this route okay. of taxing and COVID because we, 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 love, we love investment especially here in Cork I mean you mentioned broadband there uh, which isn't available in, in the speeds that you would see elsewhere in certain parts of the county especially mm-hmm. also childcare so many people would love to have more access to childcare if they can't afford it childcare uh, providers have said to us they're closing because of the cost of insurance and and then roads. I mean, the Green Party uh, would favour more of a light rail system from Cork to Limerick mm-hmm. than the actual motorway. But if you have a light rail system to Limerick, I mean, is that going to stop in the likes of where our studio here is in Mallow in, in, in Gould's Hill? Mm-hmm. Is it going to stop in Quarter Town in Mallow? Is it going to stop in Buttervent? Or is it going to be like the existing rail line and keep going to Limerick? So uh, how do you get off? And, and, you know, if you get in a train, how do you get off at those places you want to for work? People have no choice but to use roads. So with all of that added up, you can see the, in, the investment side of things for yep. infrastructure uh, is it economically sensible uh, to, to go ahead with that if they owe so much money because of what yep. they spent on COVID? Well I think the, the bottom line in all of this is uh, to, that people need to go and learn economics basically because the kind of claim is, claims that are made that we can't afford it and all that sort of stuff just doesn't understand how economics in the first place doesn't understand how societies work how economies work for example you can't have a thriving economy and we would support the development of a thriving economy we need a thriving economy but you can't have a thriving economy without having the infrastructure required to support it and you can't have a thriving economy without having the services required to support it as well so like you're talking about childcare, for example mm. you can't have people able to uh, lots of people available for to, to take up jobs and so on if they haven't got a decent childcare system you can't um, and we've been arguing this for a long time you can't have uh, a decent uh, infrastructure if you sorry you can't have a decent thriving economy if you don't have the rail infrastructure and the public transport stuff in place now uh, I, I think the the problem uh, that the court Limerick uh, motorway has is that 
it should have been built years ago, uh, was planned years ago, has been put along finger endlessly. Uh, and now there's a sort of a guarantee that it should be done. The Greens kind of feel that uh, it, it shouldn't be prioritised. My own view is that we should certainly give priority to green and to uh, to uh, public transport approaches. But I think we have there are exceptions and things that need to be dealt with. That, that uh, motor may well be one of them, and the argument that you make is a very good one. The other one that I think, the other issue that needs to be taken up, you've also mentioned, um, the, the actual rollout of broadband in rural Ireland is far, far too slow. Uh, you can't expect people to work from home and all this other stuff that people are recommending, and, they're, and to do that is very if people have the capacity to do it and have the space to do it and so on uh, it's great to, it protects the environment because you don't drive or travel and all these kinds of things and it also uh, helps your mental health because you don't have to spend so much time in traffic or whatever the story happens to be um, but in actual fact you can't expect people to work in that space without the broadband that's required I had a hilarious situation during the, the COVID earlier on I mean COVID isn't over but earlier on uh, we meet uh, on a regular basis with the Department of Health, for example, and uh, we had a meeting scheduled for there in April, and we asked, we inquired about it, and the response we got was that it wasn't possible for them to go ahead for it, with it. Why? Because the people who would normally be attending it were working from home, and they didn't have access to emails. Oh. Now, I, I started saying to myself, I, I find it difficult to know how they're working from home if they have to access to email. But put that aside. At the, at the bottom line is it just shows it very clearly. I mean, most people, I, I say, are zoomed out, as they say at this stage, from the amount of meetings and so on. And we're only learning, actually, how to work from home and the, the adjustments that have to be made, and the, particularly in, in households where there are children. Because in that space, it's uh, it's very challenging uh, to sort of manage, uh, particularly young children to, and two adults, particularly if the two adults are in the labour force, or one adult, if one adult in the labour force as well, and try, uh, try. So that's a difficult thing that has to be worked out. But the bottom line in it for us is, you know, it, to have a thriving economy, you must have the infrastructure in place to do it. You must also have the services to do it. We're one of the richest countries in the world. Our infrastructure is not at the level of our peers. Neither are our services. Some of them are, but not a lot of them. We need to improve both our infrastructure and our um, and our services to bring us up to the kind of standard expected by people in countries with the, our level of income and our level of wealth. And that's what uh, most people would would, would uh, expect of a country like Ireland. And most Irish people, when they go abroad and they see what the story is in France or Spain or uh, Sweden or wherever they go, Germany. Austria, they they would look at us and they would they would look at the, the situation there, and they'd ask why why don't can't we do that back back here? An example would be social housing. If you look at, um, we've been arguing for cost rental now for several years that there should be a cost rental approach. It's now in the program for government. Whether it's on a big enough scale, we're going to find out fairly soon. But it should be on a very big scale. But it's very interesting. Why? Because in a in a city like Vienna, sixty percent of all of the housing in Vienna is cost rental and it's absolutely affordable and people have security of tenure and it moves on from generation to generation and it's viable, it works. It's far cheaper than in Ireland and here we are and uh, we have to be careful that like, we don't wind up continuing doing, to do what we've been doing for in, in, the, in the last decade, um, taking housing in, in the wrong direction, failing to deal with the essentials that are required in terms of social housing and affordable housing. 
cost rental gets us affordable housing in a very good way. It also yeah. contributes to social housing. Um, and those who work every day of the week who simply just cannot afford a house, even though you could have two people working, they still can't afford a house. Yeah. And I mean, there's an awful lot of people in that space. And I think that needs to be that needs to be dealt with. You know, that that kind of thing needs to be dealt with because it's a, it's a serious it's a, it's a serious challenge. We have like the fact that there are so many people homeless at the bottom of the, pile, of, the, of, the, of the pile, if you like, a whole lot of people who are living in crowded, overcrowded accommodations or low quality accommodation, a lot of pe- uh, people who have, don't have the money uh, to actually purchase and many people don't even have the money to sort of make the, pay the, pay the kind of demands in rent. We have, our rents are too high. Our uh, housing costs are too high. We need a different kind of model of approach, uh, a different approach, uh, develop a different model. It has to be possible for us, uh, given that it's possible for everybody else uh, across, the, across the Western world, to generate the housing that's required on the scale that's required at the price that people can actually pay. And it, it should that should be doable, and it shouldn't be beyond the capacity of Irish people to do it, given that the, the French and the as I say, the, the Austrians and uh, uh, the rest of Western Europe is able to do it. Uh, we have a huge housing problem, uh, huge amounts of, uh, like we would need very substantial increases in social housing provision to get us anywhere close to being able to sort of um, reduce, if you like, the pressure on, on the housing situation. We would argue ourselves in Social Justice Ireland that a big focus should be on social housing because if you produce the social housing uh, that's, that's on the scale that's required. You suddenly take away out of the rental market, you take a lot of people who shouldn't be in there because they can't afford it in the first place, and the state is subsidising them to be there. But it, it's much better subsidise them in social housing. Okay, That means that the private rented uh, housing that they were occupying becomes available. Now, if you were to put, like the, the programme for government says 50,000 units, we would say you, you could take it higher, but take it even 50,000. That means that there's 50,000 new uh, new uh, rentals available. They're not all new houses like her, but, they, but they're available uh, for rent. Um, and that means, in effect, that it should drive down the price of rent as well, because mm. they, given basic supply and demand, the supply increases um, and the, the demand remains steady, so the price should go down, uh, down a bit, and hopefully it would fall into a category that people could actually afford. Indeed, uh, and hopefully that is something that will happen in, in the future. Anyhow, this country, well, it's, your policy document is excellent and it does go through how we should be, uh, instead of stifling our economic recovery uh, pr- and, and preventing it, investing it, and, and that would pay off in the future. Uh, for the moment, Sean, thank you for that and we'll just see say, what happens. Say, yeah. put that it's available for free for download on our website, socialjustice.ie. So socialjustice.ie. Anybody, anybody, if you have the broadband speed. <laughs> <laughs> if you have the broadband speed, you can download it, exactly. No problem. <laughs> socialjustice.ie uh, Father Sean thank you for that thank and we'll chat to you soon uh, Father Sean Healy there from Social Justice Ireland on how by if we invest in the long run it will pay off for our country and bring in the money to sustain the running of the country without us all worrying at the moment about if we're going to be taxed extra at the end of the year because of everything spent on dealing with Covid or indeed 
if the government will have to cut uh, welfare payments because of what they spent over the last few months. Uh, your views are welcome. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And next, we're going to hear about a young Caragoline girl's dream to dance. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862-103-103. Ellie Boyhan from Caragoline is three years old but needs life-changing surgery so she can walk and dance with her mother, Amy joins me this morning to chat more about Ellie. Good morning to you, Amy. Good morning, John Paul. And first of all, tell us about Ellie and her condition. So Ellie was born with cerebral palsy. Um, We didn't get a diagnosis until Ellie was two. So I guess while Ellie was a tiny baby, we would have had quite a lot of concerns. Um, And yeah, so we got the diagnosis when she was two. Um, It did come as as a shock. Um, but since then, we have had amazing support from Enable Ireland who have put therapies in place to help our Ellie learn to stand and to walk and to use both her hands and, and really to try and gain independence. But unfortunately, with the therapies that are available here in Ireland, it just isn't enough. And obviously, like every young girl, I presume she's full of life and she wants to continue to walk more and dance more. But that is the the hindrance for her is that she cannot do that. So in order to do that, she will need uh, life changing surgery, which I believe is something that she has been offered at this stage. Yeah. yeah While she'll still continue her physio work, that, that is something that she can aim to. It's, it's, it's just amazing that there is something out there to further help her achieve her goal. Ellie you know, she she's three now. When she was, you know, one and two, Ellie had no idea that she was a little bit different to other children. I mean, she is so smart and bright and funny and just a joy to be around. And for Ellie, unfortunately, when it comes to her gross motor skills, she is behind her peers. And Ellie is going to be facing into preschool in September. And we've had her in this cocoon of love for the last few years. And soon she's going to have to go out there and, and face the truth that she can't do what other children can do. And this surgery in America will will help her to, to do what other children do. It will release the spasticity in her legs, enable us to develop strength over two to three years through intense therapy and hopefully get her to, to stand and to walk and, and, and dance. I mean, it's what everyone wants for their child. Every parent waits for their child's first steps. With us, we we're still waiting for Ellie to achieve that goal. And she's had some treatment, hasn't she, over, over the last year or so uh, to, to help her legs and to help her straighten her legs some bit so she can uh, attempt to walk, hasn't she? Oh, she has, yeah. I mean, you know, she's in Enable, well, she was in Enable Ireland until COVID. Um, every week she did hydrotherapy, physiotherapy, occupational therapy. She has to do that every day at home herself. She has a stand that we have to strap her into um, to try and straighten her legs. Um, she also has had Botox which is quite, uh, we found that difficult as parents now. Um, it's done under general anaesthetic um, and then she's put into serial casts for four weeks. So, you know, she's cast um, and every week they recast her legs and that caused her quite a lot of upset. Um, and it's both legs. So normally if you break one leg, at least, you know, you have one mobile leg to get around. But for her, it was it was both her legs. Um, yeah, and it was very uncomfortable for her. Um, but she was very brave and, and she got through it. The problem with Botox is, is that you need to have it constantly. Um, it goes deep into the, the tissue um, in your muscles. It's unlike, you know, the face Botox, you know, which is, is cosmetic. This is 
really um, painful for children. And as she gets older, she will need it more frequently. So she's had it once already. She'd probably need it once a year. But as she gets older, it'll be more. And adults, um, we know adults have to get it two to three times a year. And I mean, for you guys, yourself, Amy, and indeed, uh, John, uh, you obviously had to adapt to your lives as well around Ellie when you realised uh, her problems. I mean, uh, how has life been for you adjusting to all of this? Um, it, it, it has changed our lives. I mean, you know, we had we had saved up, we bought our forever home and we sold that um, with modern bills. You know, they, they now use the attic room, so there's two flights of stairs. So it wasn't suitable for Ellie. I, I believe in inclusive living. I believe in Ellie um, being able to be part of every aspect of family life. My biggest fear when we got the diagnosis is that we would be upstairs maybe with our little girl Eve and Ellie would hear laughter and not be able to, to join us. Um, so, yeah, we sold our house. So, you know, we're looking for a suitable accommodation. We're currently living with my parents. So that's one aspect. And then uh, with work, you know, I'm a preschool teacher. Um, I love my job in Carrie line you know and that's had to take a back step so I guess for me it's it's been a huge change um I guess when it comes to Ellie yes you know we've realized that she has a tough road ahead nobody wants their child to have a more difficult life life can be tough you know life can be challenging you know sometimes you find out that you know if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers with Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. No, your child is unwell, but you can give them medication to make them better. With Ellie, we cannot make this go away. 
this is her life path. But all we can do is our best to make it as easy as possible for her and give her the best chance at independence. And I know I mentioned about the operation there that uh, she has set for in the United States. I'm not sure if you've spoken to this family from Mallow. We've had them on a lot over the last number of years and we haven't touched base for a while. But I know there was a girl in Mallow in a similar situation, Anna Brown, and she went for surgery in the same location uh, to where Ellie uh, is or can go for the surgery as well. And Anna has returned from there and she's doing really well. Now, a lot of hard work, a lot of physio after the operation, uh, but she's doing really well. Now, I haven't checked in with the family during lockdown because I know health restrictions and all of that. People couldn't attend uh, their normal uh, health appointments. Uh, so there's a lot of hope there when you see and hear from somebody else in a core community who has been there. There is so much hope. Um, there is an STR group, an Irish STR group for families with children with cerebral palsy. They are so positive, proactive. There is so much information out there. When it came to deciding where we would send Ellie, we decided the States was the best option because Dr. Parks is the world-renowned surgeon. He is the founder of this procedure. There is no better person to send your child to to give them the best treatment. He has refined this down to a fine art, uh, making it as as you know a, as little um, trauma on the child as possible while getting the best results. So yeah, it will be a long road getting to over to America, having the surgery is only the beginning. Um, after that, it will be you know three years of intensive therapy. And Ellie, as she gets older, will have to maintain that as she goes along. But you know, there's hope, and and that's what we're really chasing. And she's been accepted for the surgery. Is there a date in mind when that will happen? Yeah. So when we first um, sent Ellie in, we got a date of 2021 when she would be four. Um, and however, on Friday, just Friday last, we got a date of the 22nd of September. So we started the ball rolling. We said now is the time we need to go for it. The sooner Ellie has this surgery, the better for us. Um, so yeah, 22nd of September, we have to raise the funds in advance. It's a huge amount of money that we're looking for for people. But if, if you know, 10,000 people could just give five euros, we are then there. Um, we, can, we can start planning. We can book our flights. We can pay the hospital because they expect payment in advance. And off we go. And, and yeah, the new adventure starts for Ellie. And obviously enough, as you mentioned, you need the money and you need the donations so you can go there and get started with that. You've set up a GoFundMe page. We have details on our social media shortly. But if people want to donate, you can just Google or search Ellie's Dream to Dance on GoFundMe and that will link them to your particular page where people can donate and help Ellie. Yes, that's that's, that's right. And, you know, we, we're fully aware that times are very tough with everything that's happened with COVID. So even if people could just share, that's what we're really looking for. For. you know you know it, it we know times are tough we know that money is limited so if you could just share Ellie's story and message we would just greatly appreciate that it would just make mean the world to us the people of Carrigline and Cork have just been phenomenal we are just you know, so surprised and delighted with with all the support. Yeah, because in a, a short space of time, there's been a huge amount of money raised. You need more, but it's good that just in a short space of time, people have come forward already. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we are in shock. Um, you know, the, the community has rallied around us and it's actually the community of Cork have rallied around us because Cork is a republic in itself. We're all so close-knit Everyone seems to have each other's back. It's just a wonderful place to be. And, and we're so proud um, to be part of, of this big Cork family. 
Well, we'll send best wishes to you all there. We'll stay in contact with you as well over the next number of months to see how things are going and how Ellie is doing. And we will follow the progress of her as well. The very best of luck with the GoFundMe and with the plan to get to America. I'm sure everything will work out. But as I said, we'll stay in touch with you. And like we did with Anna, we'll link in every few months to see how things are going. Wonderful. Thank you so much, John Paul. And best of luck again. People can go and search Ellie's Dream to Dance on GoFundMe or on Google. They'll find the link there and donate. And uh, hopefully, Amy all going well she I've seen uh, the videos of her I've seen pictures and she looks like she's full of spirits and that's half the battle to have the positivity and full of spirits anyway as well so hopefully fingers crossed all will go well We'll stay in touch, Amy. Best of luck. You mind yourselves as well there because uh, you have to look after yourself through all this as well. Uh, take care, Amy Gleeson there, of course, uh, who is uh, the mum of Ellie. If you can donate to and help young Ellie out and achieve her dream to dance. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. Good afternoon to you and Peter Dodal is along from 12.30. He'll answer all your gardening questions and if you have a question about your garden you can get them into us right now. Bernie and Sadie taking your questions to 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Peter Dodal, the Irish gardener, will join us after 12.30 answering your gardening questions this afternoon. And I know we've got some already that have come in on WhatsApp with pictures. We have sent those to Peter as well and he'll address those uh, later so if you have a picture uh, of something in your garden as well, get that into us beforehand so we can send it on to Peter so he can have a look at it for you. Now, uh, before I get to a lot of your calls and comments that are coming in on various issues we've discussed this morning, I uh, just want to go to the mizzen first because and there's a couple who are living in America, but they are stuck in the mizzen. And this is due to the current restrictions due to COVID on entry and re-entering uh, the United States. Uh, Pooja Shah and Tyler Hoggett are currently in Goleen. Uh, Pooja joins me this afternoon. Uh, good afternoon to you, Pooja. Good afternoon. And how are you? Thanks for joining us. Now, first of all, just explain how you ended up here in Cork and in West Cork. And I know you were here before the actual lockdown started. Yeah. So we um, we came came to Ireland for actually a two-week vacation to begin with, um, which we had planned over a year. So we were really excited. And when we came, the travel ban was not uh, in place, so we thought it would be, you know, it would be, I mean, we really didn't know it was this bad. We got here, and the day we got here, the travel ban was announced, um, and it made us question whether we should go back in on the same day, but the airports were so rushed, and there was news about how it's spreading even more in the airports because of this rush of people trying to head back. And at that point, the ban was announced for 30 days. So it made us think, maybe it's just another extra two weeks, so let's just stay back. And we stayed back. Um, and the ban in Ireland started a couple of days later. Um, and, yeah, so we've just been stuck here since. It's been almost four months now. And what have you done for those four months? I mean, have you been able to work or where have you lived in that time? Um, so... I have been able to work um, remotely, um, but that's getting a little bit scary too because things are opening up in U.S. in terms of work. Um, some of my colleagues have started going back to work, so it's, yeah. Um, but Tyler hasn't been able to work. 
because he um, he needs to be on site for it, and he they they haven't let him file for unemployment either because he's not there in U.S. So he's he's struggling a bit. Sorry, what was the second part of your question? And, and where have you been staying since you actually arrived on the mission? Have you been renting a holiday home, or how are you surviving there? Yeah, that's right. So we, the initial two weeks that we had planned, um, we had hotels booked. So some of the hotels cancelled on us, and some let us cancel um, to be able to stay in one place longer. But some did not let us cancel. So we had to, you know, instead of paying double uh, twice, we actually had to go to those hotels. And since then, we have been um, trying to find places on Airbnb. Um, a lot of uh, places were shut down, but if we were able to find one in a price we could afford, we would stay in there as long as we could and then, you know, literally move on to the one, the next one we could find. So we've just been doing Airbnb to B&B till we got to Goleen two months ago where this awesome lady called um, Bridget and her husband Herbert, they've been, you know, helping us with local um housing so they would you know ask their friends hey do you have your house that you'd like to rent out to these two so that way we would get get a place to stay and right now we're in in such accommodation where this um the owner of the house does not have a booking for another month so she's given it to us um at a cheaper rate so yeah that's literally what we've been doing and now all the airbnbs are totally booked out so it's it's getting even tougher yeah, are you finding now as people are able to travel around the country again and get back to some type of normality now, people are booking up holidays in Ireland, so they're going to holiday destinations like West Cork, like the Mizzen. It is going to be more difficult to secure a house when it comes to Airbnb and obviously, again, same for hotels. So so what's the future plan? I mean, you're lucky enough at the moment uh, because you can't get back to America uh, due to the restrictions. So initially, your future plan here is it just to rent Airbnb until the restrictions lift? Um, that's where, you know, it really stresses us out because at the end of this month, we have no idea. It's, uh, it, I mean, it'll really be sad for us to leave Colleen because we got really close to uh, Birgit and Herb and they're sort of like, you know, it's, I mean, we have no one here that we know. So <laughs> they've sort of become like family. Um but yeah, we don't know. We don't know what we're going to do after a month. And the community of Goleen, like they always would, have welcomed you with open arms. But you need to decide now, I, I suppose, what you can do in the future. Just tell us about those restrictions. I know there was a lot of talk uh, during lockdown here about the US and they banning certain uh, countries uh, from the EU to the States. Ireland was included in that for a time. And the reason for that is is obviously it's because of COVID. But uh, Tyler is from America, isn't he, Pooja? But you're Australian. Yes. So it's so the fact that you in, can't um, get in. US. Exactly, yeah. So I live in um, U.S. on a work visa called E3, and I have been for the past six years. Um, so the, I'm not allowed to go back to U.S. He is because he's a citizen. Um, and, and, you know, uh, we've been dating for two years. We love each other. <laughs> but I mean, that's not good enough. Apparently, you could have a marriage certificate and you could go back. But that's not an option for us right now. So it's it's basically a, you know, a ban that's put in place for people who don't have citizenship in the U.S. And they're coming from Europe or China. So that was the ban. 
And has Tyler made any inquiries to his local area where he's from in the States on if there's any talk of that ban uh, being lifted? Has he spoken to people within uh, government in, in locally, even in the US? Yeah, so we um, he spoke to um, the American embassy because they would sort of, you know, talk to him because he's a citizen. But I also reached out to um, Homeland Security, White House. Um, I spoke to people in customs. Um, I even reached out to our local um, governor, governor's office, who we sort of exchange emails now every two weeks where, you know, they're trying is what they're saying, but it's literally up to Trump are, you know, literally up to the government when they lift the ban and no one else is being able to help us. Yeah, and no one knows when that ban will be lifted for the moment. And uh, how is, then is Tyler dealing with all of this when he's not working? You are working, as you said. Uh, what, what is he doing to pass, to pass the time there in Goline? Yeah, so he's actually, um, he works really hard back home. So he, he, he had physically exhausted himself. So this mm. break is, is serving him well because he is an aspiring musician who has been you know, working working in, in a band back home as part-time. And so he spent the, these three, four months now to really invest uh, his time in creating a YouTube channel. Um, and he, he it, it's called The Hoggett Project. And he just got a few songs uploaded and he's become, it's become an artist channel now. So he's excited. He's keeping himself busy with, you know, uh, focusing on his music career. Excellent. Well, he's come to the right area of Cork anyway for music and musicians. So I'm sure he'll have no shortage of that where you are there on, uh, in Goline and that particular area of Cork. Uh, so at the moment, while you stay there, the thing now is to find accommodation. So if there's anybody in that area who may have accommodation, who may have a holiday home they're not using, they can't get to, they won't go and travel or, or some type of accommodation. And maybe if they could contact us, um, if there is anybody out there in a, a situation where they have availability of a home and we can pass on the details to you. That that would be really helpful. That would really help. <laughs> Well, well, we'll wait and see what happens over the next few weeks uh, with the restrictions in the US and what we get here, by the way, of accommodation for you. And uh, Pooja, yourself, first of all, Tyler, where, where is Tyler from in the States? So we both live in um, Seattle, Washington. Mm-hmm. So we, we live in a, um, a suburb called Renton there. And you're renting there at the moment. And, and, and is he from there as well in Seattle? Yes, he is. Yeah. He's a, he's local. He grew up in Washington. He's just been there all his life. So yeah. And yourself, then Maple you're Valley. from Australia. What part of uh, Oz are you from? I'm from Perth, Western Australia. So I actually am uh, of Indian origin. Grew up in India. Was in Australia for eight years, um, and then moved to US to be closer to family. So I have family now in US. Uh, my brother, his wife, and his kids. So. Oh, and you can't get back and see the major side of that. Must be tough not getting back to see your family, even. I know. I've moved, yeah, yeah I moved all over, across the world to be with them, and now I'm like, it's been four months. It's a long time, a long, long time. Uh, and and uh, do you miss Australia? And would you ever think of going back there? Um, I mean, for, for this um, situation that we're in, the travel ban, I did consider going back because I could go back for 14 days, stay there, and come back. But Tyler can't come with me and, you know, I don't really have any family back in Australia anymore. Yeah. So it's sort of, 
it wasn't an option and they they have mandatory quarantine um then my friends were like no that's not a good idea you know staying in a in a hotel provided by the government for 14 days so right now no plans <laughs> okay but despite everything anyway you have been looked after well and I, and I hope you've enjoyed your stay and are enjoying your stay still uh, outside of all the various problems you're facing with restrictions and getting back home you're enjoying things in Golin yes we are and it's, it's Ireland has been really welcoming and um, yeah we just it's it's a beautiful beautiful country well, uh, hopefully you'll be uh, in accommodation. I mean, when does your accommodation run out again? Did you say in the next month, is it? Or? Yeah, end of July. So if we have any details here from somebody that contacts us, we'll put them uh, in touch with you and hopefully uh, you, you will secure accommodation beyond July. Again, no one knows what's going to happen with those restrictions. It's an ongoing situation, so things may change as well over the next few days and weeks and we'll keep an eye on that. But if we do get offers, uh, we will stay in contact with you, Pooja. And uh, best of luck to Tyler and uh, both of you. Uh, stay safe there in Gullin. Thank you so much. Take care. Really appreciate it. No problem. Take care. That's Pooja there. Uh, Pooja Shah and Tyler Hoggett who are, well, came on holidays for two weeks and are now uh, here over four months uh, living now at the moment in Golin, still searching for accommodation from July onwards, uh, the end of this month onwards, if they still find themselves in this particular situation. You know, things are changing daily when it comes to restrictions in various countries. They may not need to, but if they do, if anybody has uh, some type of accommodation in that area, let us know and we'll pass it on to Pooja and Tyler there in Golin and of course the community in Golin look after them at the moment very well there as well as they would. Anyhow, our lines are open 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 a lot of calls and comments in on various issues uh, but just one here we mentioned the Crossbury Road on Abandon earlier I've got another text here just if you're a motorist on that road uh, this is from Breed, who's just travelled that road in the last five minutes and she drove between Columny and Crossbury and as she rounded one of the bins, there were three dogs running loose in the middle of the road. They're black in colour. They could be lost. Uh, maybe they came from a, a farmhouse or a house nearby, but just if you're in that area, uh, there is three dogs running on the middle of the road between Columny and Crossbury. If you know that road, there's a lot of bins there and uh, Breed is uh, afraid that they could cause a serious accident. So just beware of that if you're travelling on that road this afternoon. The C103 Cork Diary with Cork County Council supporting businesses, supporting communities serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie And Churchtown Community Council, they are fundraising to refurbish their community hall and are asking people to donate a slate for a cost of 20 euros. For everyone who contributes 100 euros and over, there is a draw for an Apple iPad worth 400 euros. You can donate online now. Go to iFundraise.com .ie forward slash CTS Community Hall. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And on your calls and comments, first of all, uh, this is on the masks and the wearing of masks. And earlier, uh, we did discuss uh, this with callers to the show and with Sean uh, Moynihan of CEO, of course, of Alone. And the reason we're discussing this is because of people who were getting on public transport and even with those who are wearing face masks, they feel it's unsafe. And these are people who are going especially to hospital appointments, uh, either to the city hospitals or wherever. They just feel unsafe still and they're worried because their immune system may be low for the various treatments. And the reason they're going on buses, they don't drive, they don't have a car and many of them 
are unable to get family and friends to drive them because people aren't in the area or at work or whatever so uh, that's the reason we started off with that particular conversation on people feeling unsafe on public transport we then hear the people who were on uh, mainly the uh, city buses and who said yeah people are wearing the face masks but then once they sit down on the seat they take the face mask off by way of removing it down below their mouth so there's no sense to that people were saying and then we were speaking about shopping centres and Michael in Castletown Bear was asking could we make face masks mandatory everywhere to wear in public uh, such as shopping centres they are mandatory now on buses but on shopping centres should they be uh, mandatory would that make it easier for people because we heard from people earlier on who do go into the shop or do put on a face mask and then feel they're getting funny looks because they are wearing a face mask. So is that happening to you? Uh, people, More people in the shop without a mask uh, than wearing one and those going in with a mask on feel that they're the ones that may have something because they're getting funny looks. Well, on that, Ellen sums up a lot of the texts that have come in on this saying, yes, I agree with your earlier callers and texters. Uh, definitely, I get funny looks when I walk in with a face mask on me. Ellen goes as far as even saying that she gets mocking smirks. I was in Banning shopping yesterday and indeed a couple of weeks ago. So because I was getting those funny looks and indeed those smirks, I went to the loo and took off the mask, says Ellen on WhatsApp to 0862103103. So we've got a lot of those over the last while from people who do want to wear a mask, but then they go into the shopping centre and because they go in and no one else is wearing a mask and there might be only three or four, they feel everybody is looking at them and that they're the ones with something wrong with them or some people are even looking at them and laughing at them. So... Uh, is that putting pressure then as Ellen did there she went to the toilet and took off her mask uh, when she was in the shopping centre because she felt uncomfortable wearing it uh, Ellen on WhatsApp to 0862103103 now on Barry Cowan and this was Barry Cowan of course who made his apology last night he apologised for the drink driving charge four years ago uh, he uh, has said sorry so that, that he hopefully would have thought I'm sure himself this was the end of it it's still going on by way of people questioning about the learner driving licence that he was driving on and people asking a number of questions if for example he was driving on the motorway with an L licence was he displaying L plates a lot of those questions are still coming into us and a lot of opposition TDs want to know those answers anyhow uh, your calls and comments on uh, that that particular story first of all a texter here is saying I would love to know who broke uh, the Barry Cowan story Rumours going around is that it's a disgruntled TD. If it was, shame on them that they only thought it was worth revealing this when they were upset. Nothing to do with public safety. And a few similar comments on that considering this was four years ago. Where did this particular story come from? Also on this text saying Michal Martin said Barry Cowan said sorry and that should be enough for us. But is he for real stating that? Another texter saying time to wrap it up and forget about it. More important things to get on with. People are sick of it now at this stage and more text from John saying what about all the TDs that owe money to the doll bar in their place of work does the actual taxpayer have to pay for this if they don't foot the bill and Michal Martin would want to stop all of this and get shot of that particular doll bar he is the boss now or does he just want to stay in power and get a big pension 
and keep his mouth shut, uh, says John on text 0862103103. Maureen says, Mr. Cowan has suffered enough. It is, if it was anybody else that was caught, they would lose their job. It's been dealt with. Leave it be, uh, says Maureen. Uh, while on text, uh, two more texts on this. First of all, this one is saying, too much talk and media attention on Barry Cowan for his drink driving issue and not a word about Roderick O'Gorman from the Green Party and what he is proposing for young innocent children and his own background. We are gone from the frying pan into the fire with our ministers for children. I know you won't read this out but people need to wake up and see what's happening in our country. God help and protect our young children. Well this is with regards to the new children's minister Roderick O'Gorman Uh, He has come out over the last few weeks, well, since he was elected, uh, over the last, I suppose, week or so, uh, saying that children under 16 should be able to change their gender with the consent of their parents, guardians and the GP. Now, he says the laws uh, that are in place would make it easier for 16 or 17 year olds to legally change their gender and will be introduced by the new coalition under a commitment in the programme for government. The document also commits to examining the arrangements for children under 16 who may want to change gender. Uh, so that's the story on what he has said he, he, he wants to bring in and is in the programme of government and uh, that particular WhatsApp not happy with his decision on that also another listener says I can understand the upset with the driving offences but I think people aren't talking enough about the new Green Party Minister for Children under 16 is too young for life changing surgery teenagers have enough to be dealing with the amount of actual cases of gender misalignment is relatively small and I'm sure they could live another couple of years in their preferred gender before surgery a very worried butterfant listener on text 0862 103 103 on the budget and our speaker earlier with uh, Father Sean Healy of Social Justice Ireland on their policy document which you can download from their web- website uh, on Social Justice Ireland uh, basically they're looking at investment for the country and not to go down the line of taxes in the budget that could happen uh, considering how much money was spent uh, for over the last three or four months dealing with the Covid situation on that a text was saying why welfare cuts? That's not fair. Why did the government cut their own wages first and then uh, concentrate on others later? They are not worth a cent, says the particular person on WhatsApp. Mary's saying, well, if they look at cutting taxes, they should start uh, with their own uh, first uh, and not start with those at the bottom of welfare, uh, says Mary on WhatsApp. And that was the fear when we mentioned this at the start of that interview. The fear was that people who are working, uh, everybody in a workplace, if you're in an office, the big fear is, I wonder will we be given a COVID tax later in the year we get our pay slip and will we see COVID-19 on it as a form of taxation like we did back in the last crash when it came to the USC that is a fear for workers and that's why Father Sean and Social Justice Ireland are looking now at coming up with alternatives as an investment into the country and increasing employment which in turn then will lead to bigger exchequer funds uh, which will be in place maybe two or three years but that can then deal with payments for what was spent over the last few months that's the way they would cope with this budget rather than going ahead with cuts to welfare or indeed increased taxes which is a fear many have on that investment Tom and Bantry says yes I agree with Father Sean Healy uh, on what he is saying we were promised the state of the art road and nothing 
ever is being done about it. Uh, they put no money into the Bantry area. I live in a housing estate for the last 45 years and they haven't even as so much fixed the footpaths in our housing estate, says Tom and Bantry, while Michael and Butterfin says it's time they got the people back to work. They got the rivers to be cleared out, cutting the sides of the road. Uh, there are people who have never worked a day in their lives. Also people, uh, this is according to Michael and Butterfin, are claiming social welfare and they should have to be checked in with fingerprints to stop them from signing on in different countries feels Michael and Butterfant on 1850 We spoke about breast check earlier with the Irish Cancer Society and this is how breast check now is going to be forced to extend the screening gap to three years. Usually it's a screening of every two years now going to three and Una on text uh, saying thank you for the feature on breast screening I am a very fortunate person and I can say that thankfully I probably owe my life to that marvellous system I am very concerned to hear of the extension of the two years to three years for this screening uh, you will hear on the radio and, and everywhere else as well about warnings to people that if you have symptoms go to your GP but what if like me you don't have symptoms but you could have a form of cancer that does not present in an obvious way way. Not all tumours are visible on the outside. I am internally grateful to those with the terrific expertise in this particular system uh, who saved me and I would be very concerned for those now who may be in a similar case to me. Will lives be lost when we have such marvellous expertise and technology? able to look after us uh, Una on text on 0862103103 someone who's been through uh, that particular service with breast check and also uh, going through the system later following that and also very finally here to do with roads Kate saying when we spoke about the crossbar to Bandon Road earlier uh, Kate making a point that there's a terrible uneven surface equal to two potholes nearly adjoining under the tin arch bridge on the left side of the road going into Mallow from the quarter town side the council are working up the slip road leading to the roundabout I wonder will they fix this surface as it's this way quite a while since actually the flooding last year says Kate on text 0862103103 on road issues which are coming up again in various parts of the county your gardening questions are welcome now for Peter Doddall who will join us next if you have a question in your garden we have a number of them in already we'll try and get to as many as we can 1850 Peter joins us next and the Irish gardener Peter Doddall joins us as usual on this Wednesday afternoon. Afternoon to you, Peter. And Peter was there. And I can hear him in the background, but he can't hear me. Uh, Peter, good afternoon. No, he is typing away there. I can hear him, but we might have to make contact with Peter and let him know that he, he's live there, lads, if we want to get into contact with him. Uh, our gardening, a lot of gardening questions in. We'll get to them as soon as we can. Uh, just on your various texts coming in on various topics we've been discussing just in the last few minutes on roads, uh, Jerry's saying we're going to see a lot more complaints now about our roads as more of us go back on the road. Uh, obviously, for the last year, for months, there was less drivers on the road, but I've noticed now road conditions some roads have been redone and they are fantastic and some roads are now falling apart. It's a pity uh, that all the work could not have been done during lockdown but understandable says Jerry uh, that the work could not be done because obviously enough people had to respect the work of the council workers as well and the contractors. Uh, so Jerry making a point there as we're hearing about various road conditions that they will unfortunately uh, maybe get worse as time goes on. Anyhow uh, Jerry thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. Now Peter Doddle is back with us. Uh, afternoon to you Peter. 
Technology left us down again. Technology left us down. I could hear somebody typing, but I don't know if it was you or was it somebody else. <laughs> Not too sure what link was uh, coming into us. Anyhow, uh, good afternoon to you. Before I get into the questions, there's a number of them uh, on on our coming into us. I know you when visiting a particular garden over the last week or so, and with social distancing and all that, uh, there's a video on the Irish Garden, our Facebook and Instagram. Just tell us about what very famous person, sporting person, uh, you went to visit and shows that everybody. It does go out and spend time in the garden. Well, there you go. The friend of mine who, who everybody when I mention his name will know him, but they won't know him as a gardener. And he might be the last, I, I've given it away by saying he, but he might be the last person you think of as a gardener. And he's got such, he's always been into it, but he's got such benefit from it um, over the lockdown with his small children like myself. And he's had such benefit from it, like everybody in the country. Uh, and it's up on Facebook and it's got tremendous reaction because, of course, it's Peter Romani, the rugby player. It's his garden. And everybody will know him as uh, somebody getting down and dirty <laughs> on the on the rugby pitch. But you may not think that he's out there tending his herbaceous and cutting back his alliums at the same time. Um, so the video turned out very well, and he, I'm very happy with it. And everybody seems to be delighted with it. The reason I did it, John Paul, was just to illustrate to people that you know everybody everybody gets benefit from the natural world. I suppose there may be an idea that that the only people who are into the gardening are anoraks like myself and, and those of us as we get older, you tend not to think of, you know, a, a much younger person, a hugely influential role model, and, you know, he's done everything that can be done on the rugby pitch, and uh, and he also gets it, if you know what I mean. He gets the benefit from the gardening, he gets the addiction, and uh, I wanted just to illustrate to people that it's the garden and gardening is, is for everybody, it's for everything. It's not not just for aging, balding, middle-aged men like myself. It's for everybody. And So yeah, have, have a look at it. It's up on Facebook, the Irish Garden. See what you think. And his, I've seen because I follow him on Instagram and his garden is spectacular so he does keep uh, uh, keep it looking well and it shows no matter what you do you can tend to your garden I know he's growing veg and everything there as well which is good to see a lot of people have gone back to growing their own veg especially over the last year for months but we'll get into questions Peter because there's a number of them coming into us I'll start first with Jack who's in Waterfall now he has onions he plants and he planted them recently but they're very slow growing so he wants to know should he give them some tonic drench or what should he he do? Um, yeah, you could feed them at the moment. You, you could. I would go with the, the Nature Safe, which is an Irish product. It's the seaweed-based or totally organic, totally plant-based uh, product. So there's no animal byproducts in it. So if there's a vegan in the house, you're, you're perfectly safe to use it. Uh, so, so some of the Nature Safe Atlantic seaweed feed is what I use. Uh, I wouldn't overdo it at the moment. You could also give a bit of a mulch around them, uh, a mulch even with just homemade compost would, would do just to improve soil structure and nutrient value and also for, for the next drought that we get I say tongue and cheek looking out the window at the moment uh, but for the next drought a mulch around the plants will also help but don't go right up around the collar of the rose because that could lead to, to the rose or, sorry to, to the onion and that could lead to the onion rotting as well so a mulch but not all the way not all the way next to the plant and feed it with the, the nature safe Atlantic seaweed liquid Okay, Mary's in Kishkame. Her hydrangea buds seem to be being eaten by something. The marks on the buds are not slug marks. Any help? She says they're not slug marks and far be it for me to doubt her. But before she said that, my immediate reaction would be slugs because hydrangeas do get eaten. The hydrangea flowers do get eaten by slugs, unfortunately. If it's not slugs, <coughs> and of course it may not be, um, but I, I don't know is the short answer. I can't say without seeing it. Uh, it could be caterpillars, but I, I honestly think it's most likely slugs. I'm sorry, even if you don't see them, um, it, you know they tend to come out at night 
not, no, I'm not sure. I'm afraid I'd draw a blank then if it's not. Okay, here's an interesting question. Tim is in Breen. He recently gave his dog a trim himself as the dog groomers were closed, but he wants to know, can he put the dog hair in the compost? I don't see any reason in the world why not. Um, You you shouldn't use uh, animal, what's the polite way of saying it, (laughs) animal feces in a compost bin because of course there can be pathogens in that and we obviously all need to be incredibly careful of things like that. Uh, But with dog hair, I don't see any reason why not because it is just going to compost down and break down. So I would say yes. Okay, on WhatsApp, a person wants to know, can I plant seed potatoes again for potatoes in the winter? Do you know what? I've never actually, I've never grown seed potatoes for Christmas and you can do that. You can do it in a polytunnel. I wouldn't recommend doing it outside, but you could do it in, in a polytunnel if you have some, if you have one. My advice would be give it a go. As I say, I've never done it just because I, I don't want new potatoes at Christmas. I want I want my roast beef during the winter. Um, but you could, I, as I say, I would err on the side of doing it inside and certainly don't do it on the same patch of ground that you grew potatoes already. I mean, crop rotation is something particularly with potatoes and potato blight and disease prevention is something you'd have to take seriously. So uh, I, I would try them. I would try them indoors and in an area where you didn't grow potatoes before. Okay, Bernice is in Malano. Her roses, she said they were looking great, but the rain has played havoc with the flowers. If she cuts back the whole plant now, is it likely to flower again this year? It, 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 the first answer is it depends on the variety, but the second answer is most likely yes. Most likely they will. Um, so when we do get periods of rain in the summer, which obviously is regular and often, uh, this can happen to roses where the buds rot and they don't open properly. And even if they did flower, the flowers are just battered and bruised. I'm looking out of my own. Uh, so do I would cut them back, and I will be doing that this weekend with my own, but um, don't cut them back too hard. So really you just want to remove the, the flower buds or flowers that, that ha- haven't really performed. Uh, don't cut too hard into, into the into the rose bush, and you should see a second flush of flowers. I would feed them again, again, going back to that nature safe, go for maybe for the nature safe uh, tomato food with, with the seaweed in it, because the tomato food is very high in potassium and phosphorus, so that will help to promote new flower buds relatively quickly. So I would cut them back, but not too hard. And on WhatsApp, a person has got Escalonia hedging, but from half down, they're just bare when uh, I can set slips. So when can I set slips basically in the ground because from half down, uh, the hedging looks bare? Well, if you want to set new plants in front of it to to kind of mask that that bare look, you could do that at any time of the year because you'll get them grown as as pot-grown plants. You can do that at any time of the year provided you water it if you want to put in new plants. Alternatively, if you want to put in new bare root plants, and Escalonia tends to be less and less available as a bare root plant. But if you did want to, that's plants, John Father, that haven't been grown ever in pots, they've just been lifted in the nursery, they, so that the roots are exposed. You can only do those during the winter, so if you wanted to do that. But when she says if you want to set slips, so if you want to take your own cuttings off, at the time to do the cuttings will be now, this time of the year, kind of July and August, uh, take about four inches, four to six inches of this year's growth, cut at a node, which is quite simply where the, the leaf meets the stem, that's a node, because that's where all your auxins are, and they're the, the hormones And this is Gillian in Chambly Moor. Gillian has a Loganberry bush. Now, it was small when she got it, but now, of course, it's growing rampant. Now, she wants to know how big can they grow and what is the best way to look after this? 
kind of indeterminable because they're they're a climbing or a rambling shrub, if you like. They're a first cousin of, of you know, the, the bramble, the blackberry, which will, will grow, and we all know how, how vigorous they are. So loganberries are very, very vigorous. I hope she's got the corn less loganberry, which are, are widely available in garden centres. Uh, and the reason I say that is anybody who's listening will know why I say that, because the thorns of a loganberry are vicious. Um, much worse than the common blackberry. Um, but the fruit is just gorgeous. Loganberry fruit is quite tart, but it, it's just gorgeous. Um, but indeterminable, if you like, as to how far exactly it will travel. So it, what I would do is I'd grow it up against the wall, uh, put some wires along the wall or even trellis, and just identify during the winter, identify the shoots you want to keep and train them along the wire and cut the side shoots back towards that within a few inches of, of each shoot. It's hard to describe it over the radio, but if you if you identify one main shoot, tie it along a piece of wire, identify another sheet, shoot, tie it uh, along another piece of wire, maybe going the opposite direction, and you'll have lots of growth coming off those shoots. So you want to reduce those, the growth coming off it, the, the, the stems coming off it, they're what we call side shoots, reduce them to, let's say, two or three inches from the wire. Uh, and you can do that with as many as many shoots as you want, depending on the height of the wall. You could do it easily with six or eight shoots and, you know, uh, let them grow a metre on either side. And then you have a good, healthy, productive plant, but manageable. OK, and I've got a number of questions about red robin uh, shrubs and Margaret in Dunamore uh, has one and I think this sums up a lot of the questions we're getting in. Uh, can I cut back a red robin shrub at this time of the year? It needs severe cutting back as it's gone very big. OK, the, the answer to that question is, is yes, but be very careful. It's, it, the answer, if it's in a hedge, is no. And that's from a, the wildlife point of view, not a horticultural point of view. And be very careful, even if you're just cutting down a, a one shrub, that there aren't birds nesting in it. So first of all, have a very good look at that. If it's a hedge, it's illegal to do it until the end of September, so don't, OK? Because there could be birds nesting in it. Now, when you have a, a, a red robin shrub like that, that's gone kind of leggy and woody and all that goes to the top, and you do want to cut it back hard. If you cut it back very hard and go into the brown wood, you do risk killing it completely. You do risk it not coming back. So it will regenerate, it will come back, but it's a gradual process. Uh, so what I mean by that, it's an evergreen shrub, so you do need to, to leave some foliage on it so the plant can photosynthesize. So cut back, if you, if you can understand what I mean, cut back as hard as you want, but ensuring that you leave some foliage below where you have cut. So if it's very, very leggy and woody, you might only be able to cut back six inches or eight inches uh, to the bottom pair of leaves. But what that will do, John Paul, is that will encourage these dormant lateral buds, which are further down the plant. That will that will encourage that will force them, if you like, to to come into growth. So you'll have leaves start. It'll start to produce leaves beneath where you have pruned, because you'll have all the energy coming up to the soil through the same root system. But now it can't it can't go to the extremities because you've removed them. So it has to come out the sides. So cut back as hard as you want, making sure you're leaving greenery below your cut. That will encourage more greenery to come on below that again, and then you can cut back harder, and it's step by step. It's a gradual process, but if you do it, let's say three or four times over the next 12 months, you will get to where you want. 
Okay, Peter, well, thank you for that. Uh, we're back again next week answering your gardening questions. We got to as many as we could today. We'll carry some over for next week as well. And we'll chat to you then. Peter Doddall there from the Irish Gardener. Check him out on Instagram and indeed on Facebook. And as we're speaking about gardening, all the summer gigs, as we know, are off this year because of COVID-19. So the likes of Live at the Marquee, uh, Indy in Mitchellstown, the gigs at Independence Park, all off. But we have got the next best thing here at C103 because our Bark Garden Festival with Harvey Norman, your specialist in sound this summer, is playing all the songs from all the artists that we would have seen and featuring loads of virtual live music sets. So you can check it out at c103.ie or on the C103 app. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.